0: Well, welcome to Fleming Foundation's Boethius Book Conversations. Tonight, we're going to be uh, reviewing and talking about Robert Louis Stevenson's The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. We'll uh, start with two comments by our moderator, Dr. Thomas Fleming.
1: Uh, Thank you. Uh, any, any. Henry Jekyll is actually much younger than I am, so uh, <laughs> I'm not subject to the temptations uh, that he was. The uh, Robert Louis Stevenson was, uh, in his lifetime, was m- maybe the best-selling serious writer in the English language. Certainly uh, viewed as. One of the masters, a worthy successor to Walter Scott, and was regarded not just as a popular writer, but as a profound thinker, and and and, and he's certainly among the finest prose stylists in the English language. He has he has a, uh, a a prose style which he worked on over and over and over, rewriting sentences, listening for the music of the prose. He wrote a beautiful essay on 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 the rhythm of prose, the sound of. Prose. There's no more hard-working uh, writer in the English language, and nobody who so carefully crafted fiction uh, as Stevenson did. He's a strange bird. I mean, he was born to an upper-middle-class family in Edinburgh. His family were uh, the great lighthouse, lighthouse builders in Scotland and in the UK. And uh, he decided not to go with the family profession. So, uh, and probably wisely, he was very sickly. Uh, so he trained for the law, but he never really practiced much law either. He was uh, sickly from childhood and all through his adult life suffered from tuberculosis, uh, which eventually killed him. Killed him fairly young. I mean, what was he? 47? 44? Okay. Fair, fairly young. And um, he is someone who, in his early years, seems to have abandoned his family's traditional Presbyterianism and uh, not, not with hostility, but certainly he was being tempted in the, direct, in the direction of the, of the late 19th century as it was evolving out of the Victorian age into, uh, into more strange and exotic ways. And the strange thing about Stevenson is, that at some point, he had such instinctive decency and goodness, and such an affection for his family and and, and the, the people he grew up with, that um, he seems to have, sort of, in in his twenties, uh, begun turning back in the other direction and becoming. I uh, I don't know how serious he was about his religion, for example. Example, but he did begin writing prayers, which to this day are, you know, uh, recited in in, uh, in especially in Episcopal churches. And uh, he began to see that Christianity molded the character of decent human beings. And he he's he's uh, he's a he's a strange person. He made a, I think he made up his mind more or less about everything as he went along. The uh, there are certain things which clearly connect Stevenson and his early life with Jekyll. That is, Stevenson was an adventurer. You know, his first book was "He Tramps His Way with a with a donkey all the you know into Spain," and uh, "Travels with a Donkey" is a is a is a wonderful book. Traveling around, uh, traveling in France, he met this uh, young. Uh, woman about to get divorced from her ever philandering husband. And uh, he <laughs> S- Stevenson goes to his parents and says, I want to go to America to meet and marry this, this uh, woman who is not yet divorced. They were not, in- they were not enthralled with this prospect. <laughs> and uh, remember, divorce in- w- w- we forget that divorce in the UK was tougher than uh, divorce in, in, uh, in Rome. I mean, you had to have uh, an act. You had to have the approval of the Archbishop of Canterbury and an Act of Parliament. I mean, this is this is very. The, the, despite all sorts of lies told about England in the 19th century, divorce was tough. It might explain why so many men became bigamists and philanderers because you just there was no escape. But uh, Stevenson made his way on a, on an immigrant boat to. Uh, to America, traveling steerage more or less, and then got on an immigrant train full of the the worst kind of filthy riffraff all headed out to the California gold fields. And uh, again, he tells this story in a famous essay called, uh, when he gets there, The Silverado Squatters. But uh, he uh, was an adventurer. He went to the South Seas. The the, the, the lust for sort of romantic adventure was very deep in him. When Stevenson writes of Jekyll having certain irregularities in his life that were fairly innocent, obviously we're talking about a man who was, as a student, pursuing wine, women, and song, not necessarily in that order. And uh, we're, we're dealing with somebody with a desire, both in Jekyll's case and in Stevenson's case, to experience the, the rough side of life, the romance, glamor, excitement. And so one of the things that makes Jekyll such a fascinating character is precisely that, uh, that attraction. So this is uh, the setting the sort of uh, biographical background of uh, <clears throat> of this strange novel. Um, later on, I know uh, several people want to talk about the, some of the film versions. It seems to me the film versions don't come close to the book in no. addressing the principal themes of the book. It becomes not so much a, de- a, a, a detective, this is a mystery novel, the mystery is who is Mr. Hyde. That's that's the that's the, how the book is set up. And when <clears throat> the lawyer Utterson says, "Well, when he when he sees him, he says, if he is Mr. Hyde, I shall be Mr. Seek." You know. <laughs> and uh, so, we in that joke, we 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 sort of see the point. So, let's talk a little bit. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to be very brief today, and then. Have more uh, things coming through discussion than through uh, any kind of lecture. <coughs> Stevenson, you know, adopts a very traditional technique that goes back to the beginning of the novel: as multiple, multiple narrators. You get uh, the lo- you get Utterson the lawyer, and even then, you get Utterson the lawyer telling what his cousin told him about seeing Mr. Hyde. Uh, run brutally, run over a little girl in the street, and you know what? And the question comes to be: What kind of monster is this? And Utterson, of course, knows the house that he went into. He went into the back door, into through the laboratory entrance of his good friend, ch- boyhood friend, uh, uh, Jekyll, and uh, and he knows that Jekyll has written a will, leading leaving everything to one Mr. Hyde. A, in the event of his death, or B, in the event of his disappearance. And of course, this is, why would he do that? It's especially since what little we know of Hyde, we know that he is a brutal, uh, a brutal monster. And uh, so that's, so the question is set. So the, the whole thing, what, who or what is this twisted, stunted, deformed, ugly, uh, man, he's a, he sort of scampers around like a monkey when he's agitated. So <clears throat> the lawyer uh, goes to Lanyon, Doctor Lanyon, a, co- a co- professional colleague and fellow student of Jekyll's, and of course later on we get a narrative stuck in from Doctor Lanyon. So the whole thing is it's, it's, it's this, this lattice work of intersecting narratives from different people's point of view, and. Uh, He Lanyon says that he's had nothing to do with Jekyll for a long time. And he says, it's more than 10 years since Henry Jekyll became too fanciful for me. He began to go wrong, wrong in mind. And though, of course, I continue to take an interest in him for old sake's sake, as they say, I see and I have seen, devilish little of the man, such unscientific balderdash, added the doctor, flushing suddenly purple would have estranged Damon and Pythias. Well, what is he talking about? What is the unscientific nonsense? Well, it's clearly, if you're not going <laughs> to answer, it's clearly Jekyll's research into getting to the, the, the roots of his own personality, and that he believes that through, <laughs> as they used to say at, at a major company, Better living through chemistry—a <laughs> phrase that was taken up by all the dopers in the sixties.
2: Timothy O'Leary. Yes, right. Yes.
1: So, so, they, so we, have a, we have a mystery, and Utterson is the implausible detective because, you know, uh, Utterson is a very staid, conventional lawyer—a man that people think is externally cold but actually has a very warm heart. He's a very good friend, very kind to people. And he, <clears throat> he says, uh, the f- he, he begins to sort of daydream and imagine also in his dreams this figure, this mysterious figure of Hyde. It had no face or one that baffled him and melted before his eyes, and thus it was that there sprang up and grew apace in the lawyer's mind a singularly strong almost an inordinate curiosity to behold the features of the real Mr. Hyde. If he could but once set eyes on him, he thought the mystery would lighten and perhaps roll altogether away as was the habit of mysterious things when well examined. Artisan's a lawyer, I mean, he, when you examine something, there is no mystery. And so what we have here is a classic, even though people you don't think of it this way, it's really a classic novel, of de- a story of detection, a story of detection. And unfortunately, it's not something so trivial as uh, who killed Danvers. It's a story. The story is of uh, what is this creature. And in that respect, the the, the, the mystery it most resembles is Sophocles' Oedipus, where Oedipus doesn't know who he is or what he comes from. And so here the question is, what, what is Hyde, and, and what does he come from? And he says, uh, it would, if he ever could see the face, it would be a face worth seeing, the face of a man who was without the bowels of mercy, a face which had but to show itself, to raise up in the mind of the unimpressionable Enfield, that is Utterson's cousin, a spirit of enduring hatred. So Hyde is everything hateable in life, and when finally, when finally uh, Utterson confronts Hyde in the street, and he's angry, Hyde is angry, sneering, contemptuous, and he says, "Man seems hardly human. Something troglodytic, shall we say? What is, a tro- what is a troglodyte? I mean, other than uh, uh, other than uh, a, uh, an American." What is a troglodyte? <laughs> oh a troglodyte, tron- tron- yeah. cave
2: dweller. It's a cave dweller, dweller. exactly.
1: Yeah. It's a cave. So, in other words, uh, that—that's one of the key words in the—in the story. <laughs> yes. Hyde is a Stone Age man. Mm-hmm. You know, he is what we—what we, <laughs> we came from. And this, as we discover, is what Henry Jekyll wants to get in touch with. He wants to reverse the course of human evolution, you know, and not just the way Stevenson did by going and living uh, in Samoa with you know gentle, peaceful people who d- didn't hit a lick <laughs> in, in the course of a day. <laughs> he, he, instead, Jekyll wants to unleash this 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 creature that is pure animal appetite, and and to get the pleasure of being a pure animal. I mean, and we could ask uh, Professor Gong to explain later, I mean, the, 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 a lot of the impulse of the Romantic Movement is that precisely let's get in touch with our natural selves. And of course, our natural self <laughs> turns out to be a stunted monster.
0: Not the noble servant. No. no.
1: Now, I'll just, before we, go, before we start the discussion, one, one uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll carry the story forward. But um, he, he uh, Utterson sees Hyde enter and uh, into Jekyll's house, and he talks to Poole, the the, the servant, and uh, about Hyde, and the and he says good night. And the lawyer set out homeward with a very heavy heart. Poor Harry Jekyll, my mind misgives me. He is in deep waters. He was wild when he was young. A long while ago, to be sure. But in the law of God, there is no statute of limitations. I, I, it must be that. The ghost of some old sin. The cancer of some concealed disgrace. Punishment coming pede claudo. Years after memory has forgotten and self-love condone the fault. Now, in fact, he knows the rumors that Jekyll had been uh, a bit of a boyo you know, in, 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 in youth. He was a roisterer, fairly innocent, fairly, but since then, as, as Jekyll tells us later on in his own narrative, um, he misses that. He miss. he hasn't married, so he hasn't tamed, he hasn't done the one constructive thing you can do if, if, you, if you are a passionate man, and that is to have, get married and have children. Nor has he done what a lot of Victorian gentlemen would have done—is take a girlfriend on the other side of town and visit her periodically. No, he, he goes out occasionally, hangs out with riffraff, has a has a high old time. But then he wants to be respected as a saintly man of science and medicine, and so this this comb- he has got his this raw set of impulses on the one hand. But he wants to be viewed as a Victorian ascetic gentleman, somebody above all those common human instincts, and it's, it's this is where you know, <coughs> you know, Queen Victoria meets uh, uh, meets Dracula, you know. Show <laughs> yeah. so, uh. then. <clears throat> Uh, he goes and confronts Jekyll. That is, Utterson, the lawyer, confronts Jekyll and says, look, I'm worried about the will. This will is obviously an invitation to be murdered or taken advantage of. And um, and Jekyll is, is an extremely kind person. The, the, every, all his friends love him because he has such gentleness, such such sweetness of manner. He says, my good, Utterson, this is very good of you. This is downright good of you. I cannot find words to thank you, and I believe you fully. That is, if you trust me, you can. I'm your lawyer. I can. I'll, I'll keep a secret. I would trust you before any man alive, maybe before myself, if I could make the choice. But indeed, it isn't what you fancy. It is not as bad as that. It is. Uh, uh, the lawyer obviously thinks Jekyll is uh, being blackmailed by Hyde. That he's committed some terrible discretion, Has perhaps an illegitimate child. And so now he's had, now he's being held hostage he says, no uh, but just to put your good heart at rest I'll tell you one thing the moment the moment I choose I can be with of Mr. Hyde I give you my hand up Is that true?
0: no no he's like an addict
1: yeah, he said that he can't. He, he can't drop it. He can't drop. It. And by the way, this is one. This is one of the things some drugs do for you. That is, they do put you in touch with your your primitive self. But also in a in a in a very literal way, Hyde starts popping out even when he's not wanted. And Jekyll has to keep on taking more and more of the medicine to bring himself back because, well, like you know, any heroin addict can tell you, you know. The old joke is if the first dose is free, and then the, but you know you keep on having to take more. Has anybody ever read the horrible William Burroughs uh, book Naked Lunch? Yes,
2: yes, yes. You know what
1: Naked Lunch? It's yeah. what, what's the formula? The more, the the more you have, the more you need. The more you need, the more you use, and it just it, it goes on infinitely, yes. infinitely. Never, Burroughs never, never quite seemed to occur to him that this wasn't some kind of metaphysical nirvana, <laughs> but, but a condition perhaps he would have been better off trying to escape. Okay, now let's uh, let's uh, pause here for some uh, for questions and discussion. The obviously we we have a setup here. Hyde has split. It. He's not a, he's not a victim of split personality. He, he has created the split personality, not as a mistake. He wants to do this. He takes chemicals in order to liberate this primitive beast in him so that the beast could have fun, and he's not responsible. I didn't do that. I didn't attack that woman. I didn't run down the child. I didn't murder this decent man in the street.
3: And, but I could still enjoy it.
1: I could enjoy
3: the thrill. Doesn't it go into that whole theory that came up in the 1880s on degeneration yeah. where they thought that the atavism, uh, Lombroso among others, yeah. the criminologist, the Stone Age then, because the Darwinists, the progressives were saying man will evolve into something yeah. perfect, but the others fear he would evolve back into the Stone Age. Yeah. And that's where uh, yes. the Batacinian appearance of Hyde. Yeah. Yeah. And of
1: course, Hyde is stunted because he's, he's short. He's small because he, Hyde, has only had a small part of the life of this being. Jekyll is robust and large because he's enjoyed most of the life of, of, of Jekyll Hyde. As the story progresses, Hyde starts getting bigger and, and starts sucking the life out of Jekyll. Jekyll gets sicker and sicker. So, you know, when you, when you turn to the, to the dark side, you know, it starts, uh, it starts absorbing uh, this, this vitality. What do we do? What do people like this do today? I mean, other than go out and commit mass murder but, uh, and things like this. But suppose suppose you're a 25-year-old married man and you have these, uh, these dark inclinations. What happens typically? Well, for one thing, you go on the Internet. <laughs> oh. You know, there's, I mean, all you have to do is press a button. And you. Uh, we, I was, we were talking about this with our friend Father Barber. And he says, you know, the monks, you're know, reading various uh, <coughs> stories of early monks and the, you know, St. Anthony in the desert. And they were beset by terrible lascivious dreams to tempt them from away from celibacy. And some of these <coughs> dreams were just described it quite, you know, uh, quite some detail. And he said, what would it be? He said, you don't understand how men leading a religious life what they're subject to today. You know, they all got one of these. And all they have to do is turn it on and be exposed to, well, you could become Michael Jackson. <laughs> you know, Michael Jackson reinvented himself. He bleached his face, he had a face restructure. He became a totally different person. And oh, he was such a nice, sweet person. Yeah. Well, now we I mean, could, now he they had apparently Afraid of detection, Jackson rented warehouse space. And, and um, obviously, I've been on the internet too much. He rented warehouse space and kept the most amazing collection of bestial pornography, often involving children, of weird things that he had filmed. And uh, he was clearly uh, a, 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 a really a vile beast. And real And like, well, nice they, yeah. They these people become animals, but in in in, in now how much they're morally you know, I don't even want to get into who, to what extent are they morally responsible? There's an old theory in the church, you know, that in the Catholic Church that if you commit a, a, a mortal sin often enough, uh, it becomes like demon possession. You you you, you eventually sacrifice your free will because now you're bound to this demonic uh, force. And clearly that's happened to Jekyll, and clearly it happened to Michael Jackson. In the case of Bill Cosby, I think he was just a, a cynical abuser of women. But uh, but we live to this extent. We any, any normal human being, any father or clergyman, any any moment of the week, and, and not to mention, you could be perfectly innocent and this stuff Comes flooding into your email, you know, Ukrainian women available, etc I mean, we've all had, you know, a deluge of
0: this stuff. Well, the, uh, the tagline now is uh, "Life is short, have an affair." Yeah. Yeah. actually yeah. Madison. Anonymously, I guess. Yeah. 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 According to what one
2: reads.
4: Mark. Uh, one of the things he mentions several times, he thinks that uh, Dr. Hyde thinks that. People Dr. Jekyll thinks the beauty of the whole situation is he, he can act uh, as Mr. Hyde, but there will be no guilt. Yes. Mm-hmm. There will be no, uh, uh, no
1: consequences, no
0: responsibility. It's his responsibility, and, and not mine. A yes.
4: Kind of, a kind of nirvana for him. Yeah. He'll he have both.
0: He says
1: once upon a time, a nobleman could hire Bravo. You know, tough guys to go out and beat up and murder anybody they wanted to. Now he's got something better because he can enjoy it. He can enjoy. He shares the consciousness. And of course, Hyde learns to despise Jekyll, and, and because you know, you psalm singing hypocrite, you you're enjoying this as much as I am. I do all. I do. I do all the stuff. But then you get to revel in the memory of it.
5: <coughs> yes, sir. Yeah, uh, very good way to, to talk about all of this. Uh, he says that in his defense in his last letter that he's not a hypocrite because he says he's both. He's both equally yes. Hyde and equally Jekyll. Yes. He's trying to get away with both by saying they're both equally true, Yeah, which makes it different than yes. the theme in Heart of Darkness, for yes, example, yes, yes, yes. Whereat, whereas it's all a facade yeah, yeah. based on a lie, yes. wherein the horror is underneath everything, that's right. and that's the truth. Yeah. Whereas here, Jekyll at least tries to defend himself and say that that Hyde isn't the truth; it's just an equally true That's part right. of myself. Right. And even says that further on down, when studies supersede, yeah. you know, what I have been able to accomplish, we will find out that yeah. trip breaks into yeah, yeah forever exponentially <coughs> yeah. into the, yeah. these numbers of personalities, yeah. none of
1: which was, will be accountable for the others.
5: Right. Yes. Yeah. But the,
1: here's a quick question: Do are, are, do you think, does Stevenson want us to believe Jekyll's explanation? I don't no. think so. No, no I think that, I think that was no, his no, defense no, at no, the no. end, yeah. though, which I <coughs> <he> found fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, well, the real was, moral depravity
5: yeah, is Jekyll's, Jekyll's yeah, yeah, it's right. The, 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 yeah,
1: that's yeah. yeah. See, and that's where, if you want wanted a why, when I reread it for the third time to, uh, this past week, it, it occurred, gee, the end's a little flat, isn't it? Yeah. You know, but then you realize you're bringing up exactly the reason why it's not flat. Why we're le- It's up to us to fill in the picture.
5: Well, he, he ends by saying he pities. Yeah. And yeah. I think that comes from self-love. Yeah. I mean, nobody else could look at Hyde yeah. without revulsion. Yeah. Yet Doctor Jekyll had a certain affection for him because it's his. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. his depravity.
0: Yeah. I'm not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And
1: let's face it, way down deep, almost. take a walk on the wild side to quote another great American writer?
4: (laughs)
0: That's a great song.
1: Okay. John, you were going to say
0: something. Oh, no, I was just going to say it's sort of the uh, having your cake and eat it too, essentially, on the part of uh, Henry Jekyll. It's uh, kind of sort of a step beyond what happens in Vegas stays
1: in. Because yes. in this case, Vegas is within himself, and uh, <laughs> he can't <coughs> keep it there, at least so he thinks. Huh. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, again, you know, we see most of the, we, we get these direct narratives from Jekyll. It would be interesting, we don't get a direct narrative from Hyde. Of course, we find but the only thing writing he, he likes to write obscene things into in Jekyll's works of his favorite yeah, works of so piety. They just show up there yes.
2: again. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: And there's a sense in which we've all met, uh, especially those of us who have had to be teachers from time to time in public institutions, have run into creepy kids. You know, like eighteen-year-olds, twenty-year-old. All oh, that is so much crap. You're, you know, you're a bunch of you're a hypocrite, down, way down deep. You're just like everybody else. There are no higher standards of morality or art or decency. This is the real reality. The real reality is horror and filth and bestiality, and you just better learn to enjoy it. Has anybody read? Who's read Clockwork Orange? I can never get myself to finish it. What about what about our 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 hero in Clockwork Orange? Isn't isn't he basically View the uh, the kid, the punk doesn't he view the world as full of stupid hypocrisy? Yes. and he's yes. li- he's yes. re- he's real and they're phony. Is Burgess worth reading? Anybody? because yes. any? if, if you if you stick yeah. with it, I think he's yeah. well worth reading. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the,
2: the, the deeper mora- a deeper morality comes in there, and, and the questions of free will and determinism are, are quite important. Now. Hence the so, title. You,
1: the, um, here's another passage he uh, uh, said uh, Jekyll writes he says, I do not blame our old friend Lanyon but I share his view that we must never meet I mean from henceforth to lead a life of extreme seclusion and you must not be surprised nor doubt my friendship if my door is often shut even to you you must suffer me to go my own dark way. And this is, this is at a point when he's beginning to realize that Hyde is taking over. I have brought on myself a punishment and a danger that I cannot name. If I am the chief of sinners, I am the chief of sufferers also. I could not think that this earth contained a place for sufferings and terrors so unmanning. And you can do but one thing, Utterson, to lighten this destiny, and that is to respect my silence. I'm not the villain, I'm the
4: victim.
0: <laughs> Self pity, <you know>? Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Tom? Uh, Tom? Yeah.
6: In uh, chapter 10, with, uh, Henry Heigel, Henry Jackals, the false statement of the case, there's a, a couple of lines here that I highlighted mm-hmm. that I read over and over. Do you mind if I. Not at
0: all. Please, do. Please, please speak up.
6: had more than a father's interest. Hyde had more than a son's indifference. To cast in my lot with Jekyll was to die to those appetites which I had long secretly indulged, and had of late begun to pamper. To cast in with Hyde was to die a thousand in, die to a thousand interests and aspirations, and to become at a blow and forever despise the bargain might appear unequal, but there was still another consideration in the scales. For while Jekyll would suffer smart smartingly in the fires of abstinence, Hyde would, not even, Hyde would not would be not even conscious of all that he had lost. Strange as my circumstances <coughs> were, the terms of this debate are as old and commonplace as much the same inducements and alarms cast the die for any tempted and trembling sinner, and it fell out with me, as it falls with so vast a majority of my fellows, that I chose the better part and was found wanting in the strength to keep it. Yes. I love that. Yeah,
1: but uh, it's it's all true. But on the other hand, on the other hand, he is still. Not fully acknowledging, you know what that he what he brought on himself. You know, I once read a a, um, a story about uh, what's the, who's the most famous sort of horror writer Stephen King, and Stephen King was the kind of alcoholic that you couldn't leave in the room with an ink bottle. You know, as soon as he saw anything that could poison him, he'd be downing it. So finally, his family, he was, you know, they they would hide everything, the mouthwash, he'd melt down the shoe polish, they were hiding, trying to hide things from him, but he would take anything. And this is when he's famous, at the height of his his faith. So finally, the family got together, family and friends, and they summoned him to a meeting, and they said, Stephen, this cannot go on. You have to choose between your wife and children and friends or your uh, or this this poisonous addiction. And King's answer was, "You got to give me some time to think about it. That's a tough one." Uh, I'm thinking, uh, yeah, money or your life. Your, your <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I was just going to bring up a character from a more recent literature. Who kept coming to my mind as I was reading it this time through. And that's Gollum. Oh yes. I mean this is this is what happened to Smeagol the, yeah. the, the hobbit. He becomes Gollum in the cave with his precious. Yeah. This is this is Jekyll and Pye.
1: Yeah. And in, in Gollum it's the, the, the desire to be somebody other than this picked on little little runt. And the ring gives him the delusion of power, a power he can't possibly exercise.
3: And, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know. Tom, would you agree that Stevenson's other great novel, Master of is sort of a Jekyll and I dealing with two brothers, a Jekyll and Hyde story dealing with two brothers? Well, it's certainly,
1: uh, he's certainly dealing with the notion of, you know, an ego and an alter ego. And uh, it's been a long time since I've read that. It's a, one of his, It's a good book. Of course, it's hard to find a bad book, really. But uh, but but it, it is a good book. And clearly, this is this is a subject which uh, interests Stevenson. The 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 intersection of good and evil in one character. I'll give you a perfect example. His uh, what is Stevenson's most memorable character? That everybody knows. Long John's the only yeah, time I, I was going to say, if you can't guess, ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, now, in the movie, it's played by, brilliantly, but wrongly, by, always played by uh, Robert, Robert Newton. Robert, yeah. He's actually a fine actor, but he ruins the part. It just becomes a parody. And because Long John is tall, blonde, blue-eyed, handsome, with a sunny disposition, everybody loves him. Because he is such a wonderful man, he's clearly a kind of blonde god, a Nord, you know, a, a Nordic seaman type, and uh, with the unfortunate loss of his leg, Stevenson based him on his best friend, William Ernest Henley. He went to see Henley in the high. Henley had some leg infection, had the leg cut off. Now Henley was a very athletic man; he was a yachtsman, and so so a normal person would you know just go away and say, "Gee, it's really it's really too bad." But in, no, Stevenson, his brain starts going, I could create a villain on the basis of my stoic, heroic, handsome friend who is suffering this. So he, tu- he, he, tu- he gives Long John almost all of Henley's good qualities. He's prudent. He's intelligent. He, is not, he, has no, he has no drop of cruelty. Long John does not want to kill or harm anyone. But he'll kill a hundred people if they stand in his way toward getting the treasure and being a member of parliament. And he wants to be a gentleman. And so he doesn't really much hate, unlike the other pirates, he doesn't particularly hate the squire. He he doesn't like Smollett, the captain, because he's ordered him around a bit. He likes Jim, but Jim is going to have to die with the rest of them. And of course, in the Disney version, oh, this friendship with the boy transcends everything. No, no, you're, you're, you're deliberately missing the point that Long John, on the one, one aspect of his personality, he is heroic, brave, noble. He has all these good qualities, but he turns them to evil. There aren't many. You know, this is something, for example, uh, Charles Dickens couldn't have dreamed of doing. With, with, if, it's, if Dickens, if there's somebody evil, it's Bill Sykes. He's ugly, swinish, brutish. He's somebody that if you saw him walking down the street, you'd run in the other direction. Not long, John. Smile on his face, a kind word for everyone. So I think I think this is a recurring theme. And the other place where it really comes there's a crazy book. He, you know, one of his more famous books is *The New Arabian Nights*, a series of tales told about. Uh, Prince Florizel of Bohemia and his adventures. Well, he has a sequel to The New Arabian Nights, and it's basically a set of interconnected stories called The Dynamiter. And it's it's bizarre. I think his wife gets uh, part credit for the story, and I think partly maybe there's a portrait of this, w- three different women who are all actually the same women, and they all tell these dishonest stories about being a Mormon woman who is mistreated by the Mormons. And he gets to, he gets to ridicule the Mormons, but, but it's also not a true story. <laughs> and, uh, but the point is that all these women tell these lies, and you finally realize that this woman is the spoiled daughter of an eccentric rich woman who has decided to sympathize with the downtrodden peoples of the earth, you know, the Czechs, the Irish, etc. So she joins what would then be called an anarchist group, and we would call a terrorist group. They run around, and, and he finally meets, he finally realizes that the one of the narrators in the story realizes he's rented half his house to a, ter- to a terrorist. And so he's, he's concocting dynamite and building bombs all day. So he talks to him, and the man says, well, he's an Irishman. And like most Irishmen, he's, he's, he's got a gift of the BS completely. And he says, well, he says, you may ask me, sir, why, why don't we don't kill Prime Minister Gladstone or shoot the generals? He says, no one cares about those people. They know they, know they run things and that this is a risk they, that they have to undergo. And he says, no, but if you kill a nursemaid with two babies in the park, then people care about that. Then they'll listen to your message. And he says it blithely you know, and happily. The guys are very cheerful, whimsical, so Chesterton could barely have created so good a character. And in the end, of course, he blows himself up in a mistake. He's a finally, he's finally he, a bomb goes off, and he's so happy. But then he he blows himself up. But but he never loses this cheerful, delightful innocence. But he's a killer. And the man he tells the story to, he says, "Well, surely you don't believe in religion. You're not going to tell me that. That's all the nonsense." Well, yes, I agree with you, of course. I'm a total skeptic, and you don't believe in morality. Well, yes, of course, it's. A, he says, "But there is something about honor, isn't there?" And the terrorist says, "Not that old, wheeze." And so he talks the guy into a corner to where he find he rejects everything. But finally, the poor man realizes he is a gentleman after all, and 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 putting up with somebody who murders children in the park is just that's just not done. <laughs> he may not have a rational reason for it, but he begins to know it's just not done. But again, in, in in that in that set of stories, the dynamiter is not e- he's not portrayed as evil. He's a, he's an Irish patriot. He just tries to kill children. Well, let's take a let's take a five minute break and refresh ourselves.
0: One one of the things that uh, not specific to the character, but in my mind, I had always connected Jack the Ripper and Mr. Hyde. And as it turns out, the book was published in 1886, and its first—it was a very successful uh, adaptation to stage. And its first stage appearance in London was in August of 1888, and the first Ripper murders happened in October of
7: 1888.
0: So they. uh, Although, uh, although just Victorian in the back of my mind, it turns out they're very chronologically, very closely associated.
3: Well, the stage version of Jekyll and Hyde was being shown, and it was an American actor, and they asked him to stay off for a while because his performance was so good, it was reminding people of the Ripper murders which were happening. Yep. His performance was so convincing as Hyde.
1: So, well, it's a clear case of cause and effect though, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> <should've been> <laughs> so they needed censorship here. <laughs>
4: Introduction to the Everyman uh, edition I have of the book. The um, the writer of the of the introduction talks about uh, riots that were going on in London at the time of the working classes mm-hmm. against uh, uh, labor uh, um, conditions, and people were excited. I mean they had to call out a lot of policemen. There was a I think. Uh, Number of people that were shot by the policeman in one of the riots. So there was that was floating around yeah. in society when this came up. Too people, people very worried about the uh, underclass um, rising up and revolting. And I guess uh, uh, Mr. Hyde would to them resonate.
2: as a, a prole,
1: mm-hmm.
2: a prole. I also uh, wondered. Uh, to what extent uh, the uh, figure of Hyde and uh,
1: Henry Jekyll's uh, use of uh, chemical substances to uh, bring out Mr. Hyde and to make him manifest, as it were, uh, might have something to do with the uh, rise in the use of opiates and cocaine in uh, English society at that time. That's a, that's a good, that's a, both these are good, good questions. I mean, clearly in, the, in the, the, the upper middle class which Stevenson belongs to is very disturbed in the 1880s, 90s, down to World War I, you know, with the threat of strikes, labor violence. And uh, Stevenson being a humane man probably has as much uh, compassion for the working man as he does fear for uh, the social order. But uh, certainly, it is a characteristic of, say, writers in this period. I mean, you, they're all. I mean, a the huge. They're in, in sort of an imitation of the French. You know, an imit- Gautier and Baudelaire. They're they're they're, they're taking opiates, and uh, and also experimenting with the, with uh, alcohol abuse, not just. Uh, and so you have you have people. You know the the the. The, the decadents, or the decadons, as they as the people mocked their, their pronunciation. You know, they were they were trying everything. And by the way, you know, Dowson and John, Lionel Johnson, and then uh, younger Oscar Wilde. One of the things they're doing at this time is they believe that the conventions of society and of a mechanized world, which has cut them off from the deeper things in life. And so, uh, essentially, they develop a cult of their the, the the '80s and '90s equivalent of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That is, you know, start starting starting with the pre-Raphaelites, and they too are getting in touch with their deep their, with their their deeper selves. Dowson is, uh, you know, hanging out with uh, women of not just easy virtue but no virtue. There's a famous case where, where Ernest Dowson, the poet, is at a bar drunk out of his mind, and he has this lady of the evening, and and he turns to somebody who is staring disapprovingly and he says, oh, no, no, you've got it all wrong. He said it's 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 love. It's real bad. It's 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 like it's like the Brownings. You know? <laughs> 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 so, you know, and you get this great portrait by Ezra Pound, you know, in his Marberly ode, you know, uh, you know, Johnson Lionel Died falling off a bar school stool, and as what is it? As, as the whiskey warmed his his soul, ascended to Newman or you know something yeah, along yeah, those lines. Like and um, so you you have exactly in in this in this aesthetic movement, you get people who are experimenting in order to put themselves in touch with a with deeper reality. Oscar Wilde's son, what's his name? Uh, Vivian Vivian Holland. Holland. Holland writes this book, and his interpretation of Wilde's fall was that his father was obsessed with living life on the edge. He had to try everything, whether it was alcohol, drugs, adultery, and eventually Lord Alfred Douglas, and that... Now, Holland doesn't want to believe that his father was homosexual, and I have no idea. I mean, really. I mean, you know, that, that you know, filed it, led a fairly normal life, he was a, a normal student at Oxford, he rode, he was athletic, he was good-looking, women liked him. But there is, I think, some truth in Holland's, in Holland's argument that people were, were, you know, they were fo- following, um, you know, Ismond, the, the French writer, uh, against the grain. And his character, Desassinthe, deliberately cultivates every kind of extreme vice in order to liberate his soul from convention and stupidity. And of course, Desassinthe is actually based on Robert de Montesquieu, uh, a noble uh, French writer who claimed to be descended from uh, D'Artagnan, the, 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 uh, the, the character in Dumas, uh, the, th- the Three Musketeers. And uh, but Montesquieu, uh, and that that and that uh, Wilde knew Montesquieu, and, and knew of him, and knew and read Arabour, and so the, the the that inspired the picture of Dorian Gray, which has a lot in common with the book we're talking about, yeah, yeah. because it's somebody who leads a life of vice, but it's hidden, and it only appears on the portrait, and that. Uh, and of course, then, of course, Montesquieu lives on most famously in a portrait in a French novel as Professor Gong. Oh, I'm
5: sorry, I got lost in thought about Dorian Gray. <laughs> well, he also <laughs>
1: inspires Proust in his creation of the Baron de Charlus. Ah, okay. That is the, because Proust knew Montesquieu well. Yeah. By the way, in my, in my uh, younger and more vulnerable years, to, to quote an American writer, I I actually I found a volume of Montesquieu's poetry and it was quite good. It's very eloquent, crisp uh, verse. But uh, but anyway, so you know, the question about opiates we're dealing with uh, we're dealing with a, and I hadn't thought about this at all in reading the book. We're dealing with a whole counterculture in the 80s and 90s of 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 sensuality, sin, drugs. Alcoholism that is supposed to liberate you from the from this mechanical industrial clerical age that they found themselves in.
3: Weissman wrote another horrible book. uh very called down there. Oh yeah, yeah. Lava. Yeah. Was a man right who wanted to write the biography of Gilles de Rey, one of the greatest mass murderers, yes. serial killers of France. Right. He goes to black masses, that they're described in very sickening detail. You have to have a strong stomach to read this, but this is the type of stuff that was
1: popular. Yeah, and by the way, Montesquieu hated
3: hated Aurore. He thought it was a
1: travesty of his own
2: life. Um, well, the one thing is that they almost all converted to a man.
1: Well, yes, see, but you know, starting with Baudelaire, who maybe in some senses is the most important uh, writer in the mid to late 19th century in any, uh, he's certainly among the most exquisitely beautiful poets, but he's also, he dabbled, I mean, who writes a book of verse called Fleur de Mal, Flowers yeah. of yeah. Evil? He, 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 he. he deliberately cultivated evil, right. and then, then you read these heartbreaking poems. Of Baudelaire in, in uh, before his, the last year or two, yes. and they are among the most profound poems written in a modern language, and they're very moving. And of course, he dies a Catholic. Right. He die. He returns to. The, but he, you know, it was it was T. S. Eliot who uh, was very fond of Baudelaire and realized his his spirit, not just his significance as a very fine craftsman. When I was a dumb kid, I would I would. Uh, Et les temerets doux pendant les nuits les nuits d'hiver d'écouter près du feu qui palpite et qui fume les souvenirs lointains lentement s'élever au bruit d'un carillon qui chante dans la brume. I thought these were the most beautiful lines of poetry I'd ever heard. Especially, that's the, the vocal, the vowel patterns are so incredibly lovely. But, but Eliot realized that Baudelaire was the soul. Of of, of of Europe in the 19th century, a, cor- a corrupt, degenerate soul seeking evil, but eventually redeemed. Yes, ma'am?
7: Um, this may seem very trivial, but when I read it, I was reminded, I'm going to go with the story, as Guno tells it, Guno's Faust. Faust actually makes a pact, clear-cut pact with the devil. And he reads all sorts of havoc. Matter to him when he when he got youth and women and wine and everything uh, that he would have to pay for yeah. it. And now that's a simpler age and it's a very Catholic view. But what we have in all these other examples are people who are deluding themselves. And well,
1: uh, I think Faust uh, Faust was he, he got the temporarily the yeah. good of the. I was reading something recent. Somebody commented, You know, they always say Faust made a pact to. For to get, uh, for for knowledge, but you know certainly in Marlowe and in Guno, it ain't knowledge. It's girls. Yeah. That's exactly. what he wants. Yeah. And that great sensuous ballet and the opera, oh, yeah. that which uh, Guno didn't want, but that one of the great ballet, uh, opera ballets. But that you know, you Helen of Troy. You know, all 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 the all the most gorgeous girls in history, all there for him.
5: You know that that's a, that's an interesting point. Um, it seems to me that Goethe and Marlowe, uh, at least, they're aware of what right. they're giving up. They're very they're clear of, they're, of
7: what they're doing. Here, yeah. uh, Dr. Jekyll says, "Well, I, you know, I, I'm in control." Yeah. yeah. You know, cool. and uh, and he's not. Cool. And he, he uh, and all these other druggies, you know, thinking that they're, it's just experiences, and they're in charge. Yeah.
2: And they have Oops. made a pact with the devil. Right. Yeah, but they, as I said, most, of them, almost all of them came around eventually. Yeah. Well, see, that's that, it. So that's the happy ending. That's the so happy I ending. But by, by the way, there's another uh, seldom you seldom see it reprinted. But one of the editions of uh, Marlowe's Faustus has what I think is the greatest stage direction in uh, the English language. Uh, in the last scene, it is simply. Exit Devils with Faustus. <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah. You know, what you said um, makes me think that a, a lot of these other works um, show that evil happens by little increments, little yeah. decision yeah. here, yeah. a little decision right. there, right. until you're cornered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to the point where it's too late. Yeah. Right. Well, it's, it's also an
4: attitude. Um, a scientific attitude that thinks there are no we can we can, we, we can give this a try and there will be no drawbacks at all. We're in control. We're in control. <coughs> we're in control. We are total confidence that we are in control. Whatever we discover, we're in control of it. We whip it and it backfires.
0: Did you discuss the Darwinian aspects on. of this?
6: Yes, Gene. Let me give you a, a modern-day example. Just recently, maybe you saw it on the news. But the school secretary at St. Paul Lutheran School over ten years invested right. three hundred forty thousand dollars. She has no remorse. She is not. It, the case will not come to court, and she will get off scot free because the. Um, his name, the state's attorney, Roskada. likes to settle everything out of court. It was it was uh, put forth as a civil, okay, a civil case, and it was a little bit at a time. She was in total control, and she got everything. and she's broke, but she got everything she wanted. She has no remorse, and uh, I mean it's just.
1: They didn't prosecute that criminally. She, she sold will not her. be tra- no, prosecuted. No. By the way, if you were Briscotto, you'd want all your. A, a, as incompetent a lawyer as he oh. is. He, he It takes him years to bring yes. cases. Fe, uh, major felons actually end up going scot free because he can't get his office straight. Well, this and, is
6: nothing to him. So yeah. you have a yeah. little Christian school, no big deal. Yeah, being fleeced. But I mean, it was you know a little incremental thing, had everybody was able to uh, cover with a paper trail, and she is the one who has all oh. the power.
1: But doesn't the school press charges? The school?
6: If They bring a civil case. Civil. It's a civil was civil.
0: she bonded? I'm sorry? I, was she bonded? Was she bonded?
6: I, 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 I Does, know what you're asking me questions. I, I uh, well, is, is the
0: church getting the money from an insurance company to replace what they, she stole But them? it was
6: only for 50000
0: Okay. Well, still, insurance companies don't pay unless there's a prosecution. You know, yeah.
6: and Jim, you're asking, I'm not a member there anymore, so I, I can't answer okay. all these huh. questions. I just know I'm enraged yeah.
2: that this—that's
6: yeah. nothing is
3: going
6: to happen. What town was the Senate? Roger, here. Right here. Right. Oh,
0: right. oh. here in Rockford. So St. St. Paul's. St. Paul's. St. Paul's.
6: Oh. Well,
4: I didn't
3: realize that. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
4: oh, no yeah
0: poor Lutheran Church on the west side.
1: Yeah. Uh, St. Paul's. Good. To go back to the book for uh, the. As we t- as you were talking, and especially uh, Bill Gon and others, I all of a sudden realized there is a, mo- a modern writer who deals with these, these these themes of multiple personality and of drug abuse and of uh, and of suicidal uh, moral recklessness. And That's Philip K. Dick. Oh yes. In his in his best book, and I can never remember the name of it. He's got this story of a. Uh, there's a detective monitoring people through a TV screen. They're living in a house. They're all taking this crazy drug, and they're crazy. And then you get a narrative from one of the people in the house, and it's only three fourths of the through the book that you realize it's the same person, because his character has been dissociated by taking this drug. He's a Jekyll and Hyde personality, and in the end, he he knows what he he goes into this willingly. In, or because they want to bust these people because they're destroying so many lives that he, he sacrificed his life. And then at the end of the book, there's this little afterword and he says the, the narrative is largely about real people that, and real things that happened to them. And he said, yes, we thought we could get away with everything. We could take drugs. There'd be no consequences. He said, we were wrong. It seems to me we paid too high a price. And so he has a list of the car- of, car- of people, you know, n- named so and so, you know, died, you know, in an insane asylum. So and so died of this, died of that, and finally it was Phil Dick, dying of renal cancer. You know, which is what killed him. It is. A, it, all, it made me break down a weep. Wow. You know, just that one little thing. He un- because Dick, as crazy as he was, and he didn't need drugs be schizophrenic. I mean, he was schizophrenic before he took drugs, but he had this insight, and that that book—it seems to me that that that's a book that's an outgrowth of uh, of
3: Jekyll and Hyde. You know, I mentioned the theme of degeneration. Dr. Fleming rec- recommended a book uh, for me uh, to read the title, Degeneration, by Max Nordau, yeah. written in 1895. He was a theater critic. He's hilarious. If, if you have problems with Ibsen, he's <laughs> <hell> with <laughs> But he goes into this whole thing of the cities, how uh, the proletariat's becoming more brutal, the aristocrats becoming more at beat, and basically it led to the eugenics movement yeah. in uh, America and Europe, which of course- But you can
1: see it in the time be- machine. And Wells' yeah. Time Machine, yes. That yes. this exactly. notion of the the, the, the human race diverging, Eloy and the Morlocks. Yes, that's right. right.
3: And then also in the Isle of Doctor Moreau. Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, that to is scary. another
1: book that we could have we we could have yes. been talking about tonight. Yeah. Because uh, you know there Moreau, and Jim raised the question of what does this have to do with Darwin? Well, believe me, in an era in which Darwin, the, when uh, Jekyll and Hyde are written, in an era in which Darwin is becoming the the dominant intellectual force. And boy, by the way, poor Charles Darwin, an extremely nice person, and the last thing in the world he wanted to do was to destabilize the social order. When, when Marx wanted to dedicate uh, Das Kapital to him, he said, no, no, he said, I'm not a believer, but all the women in my family go to church, and I, I really, please, please spare me, spare me <laughs> this tribute. And, uh, but uh, but Darwin, Without without thinking about it, his his theory. And by the way, there's there's absolutely no reason to run around condemning poor Darwin, but his theory, taken up by social wreckers like Thomas Huxley, uh, they use Darwin's theories as a means of destroying society, civilization, religion, and uh, and so. But the idea, it's clearly Stevenson is aware, and that's why, that's why calling Hyde troglodytic is important because he's like a transitional creature. He's an ape man almost. And, uh, and so what we're, what we're dealing with is somebody who is, Jekyll is leaping over a million years of evolutionary history and going, and going back to man climbing out of the tree Deciding bananas aren't enough, he wants to eat meat. And uh, yeah, it's uh, and 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 in the case of the Island of Doctor Moreau, which is the one thing that is proof that H. G. Wells is a kind of genius. I mean, Doctor Moreau reverses human evolution. I mean, he, he speeds excuse me, he speeds it up, and so the monkeys and pigs and all these things. And of course, he has to he has to operate on them. To make this to make them physically able to do this and in in the incredibly wonderful crazy movie with Charles Lawton as you know, Dr. Moreau yeah. and Bela Lugosi yeah. as the law-sayer. Yes. You know, what is the law? You know, the law is, is to Lord, walk Lord, on two legs, Are yes. we Lord, not men. Eat and eat then meat. you hear. <laughs> <laughs> but Lawton says well you know
3: The operating room is called the House of Pain. And and the great light he says in it, Mr. Parker, do you know what it's like to be God? Yes. But listen, in the
1: novel, in the novel, there's one line I've never forgotten. It says a man who studies nature in the end becomes as ruthless as nature Mm. itself.
6: I finished reading Frankenstein right before I read this, and yeah, yeah. Well, it was just an interesting
1: combination. If Uh, only Mary Shelley had known how to tell a story. (laughs) Yeah, because it's it's a book full of wonderful ideas and wonderful stuff, including that her you know her her old man was a good friend of Ben Franklin, and uh, they gave each other terrible ideas. So Franklin. Franklin's experiments on electricity gave uh, gave William Godwin the uh, this idea that we could pull down the Promethean fire from heaven, and so that's where Mary gets this from her father uh, and from Franklin. But then, you know, oh, but then, then of course, uh, Godwin taught Franklin that man, by using such power, could become immortal. Could be, and of course, and that is what Frankenstein is looking for. Would
7: well, you know
2: who else? Who else was playing around with that in her life? Was was Percy? Oh yes, yes, yes. I mean, I mean, yes. I, I think that Victor yes. is based on Percy. I mean, yes, so. yes, no,
1: no, no, no. It's uh, it's a very those people are very. You know, the, I I read this long academic biography of uh, of Shelley about two years ago, and I don't normally read much literary biography, and it's long, but typical boring book. It could have been better written in 250, 250 pages instead of 900 pages. But the one thing that emerged from the book, in, the li- in their circle of friends, the most nearly sane and moral person turns out to be Lord Byron. Because although a rake and although a good old boy, he didn't like to hurt people. He accepted responsibility for illegitimate children. Unlike Percy, who is a whining, sniveling hypocrite, always pretending <laughs> to be morally upright, but then... But, uh, and Byron learned to despise him. They got to know each other very well at Pisa. But uh, I'm more and more, I liked Byron a little as a young man for the wrong reasons. And I'm beginning to realize, there's a lot in Byron that I, I, I missed. And Byron, when he went to help the Greeks, he did not go as an Errol Flynn bully or braggart or hero. He went. They say he was very calm, very quiet, always yes. giving very good, prudent advice. And he was the banker. He gave them huge amounts of money, and because of his prestige, he could raise huge amounts of money in England to uh, to support the Greek Revolution, and to do something worthwhile for a change in his life. And he did. And every and they would all listen to to Byron, because he was so he was an English gentleman. And and reading some of his stuff, like we, Gail and I were up in Ioannina, and uh, Byron goes up to Ioannina and, and into Albania to meet the great Ali Pasha, and he's so pleased because Ali Pasha says, "Well, he has uh, he has small hands and feet, which shows he's a real nobleman." <laughs> tell that to tell that to uh, the enemies of Donald Trump.
3: <laughs> well, one other thing you mentioned, Frankenstein, Dracula also deals with degeneration. Yeah,
1: yeah. you know, too. Yep. Brother, Dra- Dra- Dracula wants to live forever, and the sacrifice, and of course the price he pays <coughs> is, you know, <laughs> is he has very bad breath from feeding on people's blood. Well, any final comments, Professor Gone?
5: I was interested that the other characters, not only Dr Jekyll, but they also seem they didn't seem to have families either. Yeah. You know?
1: That is weird, that is weird. Yeah. Not one, Lanyon, Utterson, uh, Enfield, none of them has a family so far as we can tell.
5: As if they were all on this enterprise to get seats or something. Yeah. um, Also, I thought it was interesting that um, Mr. Hyde, besides the obscenities that he would would write into Dr. Jekyll's uh, uh, writings, he also tried to obliterate the father Yes. Tried to, you know.
1: He 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 destroys the father's letters and rips yeah. up rips up uh, the the
5: picture. I thought that was fascinating.
1: Yeah, because it's his father too. Right, and right. it's but he doesn't want to admit that.
5: Mark, why did uh,
4: why did uh, Mr. Hyde not change the will, or why wasn't? Person. Now the beneficiary. Yeah. And they asked that question in the book, but I, yeah, uh, one of the characters does, but I couldn't figure out why he didn't, why he wouldn't have.
1: Well, because well, here's a possibility, and and, and it, I mean it's probably not the answer. It's a possibility. Jekyll was more interested in Hyde getting the money than Hyde was. Hyde lives for the moment. You know, Hyde, Hyde lives a rock and roll existence. You know, give me, I want, I want pleasure now. I want the drugs, I want the women, or whatever it is, I want it now. And it was Jekyll who was providing for his own future through Hyde. And it, Hyde might not have even cared. And so, this assumption that Hyde's going to do away with Jekyll, which Utterson has throughout the book, could be just uh, wrong. He, 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 he's not prudent enough to care. That's just a speculation. So
0: so why does Jekyll commit suicide? Well I mean does he doesn't want to become Hyde permanently? Well it's
1: his way of kill, he kills Hyde and so do it. Right. Yeah. But it's either that or he's gonna get hanged. Well he he, yeah. he says yeah. that yeah. says yeah. says, will yeah.
0: Mr. Hyde end up on the gallows, yeah. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I don't know anyone else did we all enjoy the book yeah. Absolutely. surprised at how good it was when you have to you, you reach up when you're 16 and you don't realize it means anything <laughs> 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 Exactly.
3: <laughs> as much as I like uh, Spencer Tracy movie especially it's much better than I the just, the I just want to say yeah, a word a word there about uh, about the,
2: uh, uh, the the filming and the, the, the stage production I don't know. I have been pondering whether you could make a good visual production out of out of this. Yeah. You know, is it visual enough to make it without doing something yeah. to it? Yeah. And uh, no, it would be what, a very
1: talky play. It would be a very yeah.
2: talky exactly. It would be a very talky play. I I want to put in my two cents for the best version is the one you have uh, you know the advertisement for this is the yeah, the, 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 the poster the, the poster card. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, it's my favorite the, version you, I Yeah, mean, yeah. Uh, it's the one where you most clearly see that the the, <laughs> the fault is in Jekyll. Yeah.
5: Mm-hmm. And yeah. a yes, crazy one too. One other thing that just occurs to me too in Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, there doesn't seem to be any love. You know, there's no, no. motivation of love no. at all. None. And None. in picture of Dorian Gray, uh, there is this great love for his paramour, until yes. that love stops being histrionic and becomes authentic, yeah. and then he's turned off by it, he yeah. doesn't like true love, yeah. because he doesn't, it, its not yeah. well acted, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, to me, it seems that the wild <laughs> point on that uh, seems a little more poignant in terms that, that love would failed him yeah. because of this, whereas with Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, it wasn't even there.
1: No, but there's no, there's no, there's very little, all there is is male bonding in this book. Right, right. That's all yeah. there is. They don't have, they don't have love. They don't have families. Now, in one of the movies, maybe it's a, they, they give, uh, they, they what? Uh, there's a Cockney
3: girlfriend. That's the Spencer Smith- the, Tracy movie. Spencer Tracy movie. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm sorry to update you, gentlemen, but have you seen Mary Riley? Yes, it was a very interesting. That's sure. the Jekyll and Hyde story with John Malkovich and and it it Julia Roberts. Of of the, uh, and she plays the housemaid that falls in love with Jekyll. Ah, oh, yeah. that's, that's the, yeah.
5: But there's she, the love. Who does she prefer, Hyde or, or Jekyll? <laughs> I haven't seen that. <laughs> I have.
2: It's, it's, it's Jekyll. And she Jekyll. prefers Jekyll. She's <laughs> trying. She's, she is trying to ponder out the mystery of it. Like that there's the one. It's the old
1: R and B song. I've got two lovers. You mm-hmm. know. <laughs> but uh, I guess that would be No, it. I think it was Torn by Two, <laughs> oh, yeah, like two Lovers. No, <laughs> yes. so that's a different song, <laughs> but uh, you're right.
6: And in Frankenstein, the monster yearns for love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Right. And he and, and wants it so badly. And in, in mm-hmm. love between a man and a woman, and he yeah. observes his family, and, yeah. and he's totally deprived of it.
2: He's the only mm-hmm. character in the book I could yeah.
6: No,
7: know, no, yeah.
2: no, I mean the the monster oh, oh, is the best uh, you know
6: Yeah, exactly. Most yeah.
0: likable character. We had Abby Normal's brain, if <laughs> Abby
1: Normal, yes. <laughs> Abby's somebody, yes. <laughs> oh,
0: it's <laughs> Abby Normal. That's that's from young Frankenstein. Yeah. You know when uh, <laughs> when
1: Mary Shelley uh, was looking around for a school for her son, Percy was now dead. And she, she, you know, and she's trying to support her, so she's you know, a very bad writer. But, so that, that really maybe was not her best career for her. So so uh, so she, um, so she's looking at these schools, and, and somebody uh, says, well, this school is a kind of experimental school. He won't turn out just like every other man. And Mary turned to him and said, I pray God, my son, you know, like she had known <laughs> She she had a father. Her father virtually prostituted her. She runs off with a married man, with Percy Shelley, and then so William Godwin, the philosopher, whom Shelley professed to admire, would say, "Well, you know, you're my you're virtually my son-in-law now. But I could use a hundred pounds. I mean, <laughs> he, he, he was constantly yeah. extorting money from from poor." From poor Shelley, and he realized, Gee, as despicable as Shelley is, he's not as despicable as Godwin. Well, Shelley had and Godwin deserve each other. Yes, and of course Godwin, he only married Mary Wollstonecraft course, late in life. You know, late in life, they've been living together in sin just to show that they were above human conventions. But when it turned out that he need you know, he wanted to be somebody in English society, then okay. And so, I mean, there's so many evil things that come out of that couple, you know.
2: Did yeah. you know that Mary Wollstonecraft was in France uh, during the terror? Yes. No. You know. Yes. And she didn't say a word about it. Mm. Not, a, not a peep.
3: But she interesting covered. enough, one of their favorite books was Burrell's History of Jacobinism, the Abbey Burrell, which mm. was a, they loved that book because yeah. they they, they love the conspiracy theories. Yeah. And they use that in Frankenstein because Dr. Frankenstein goes to University of English guard with the Illuminati. Yeah. With, with That's that. true.
0: That's true. Yeah. Well, yeah. In.
1: All right. Well thank you very much.